Yes, he does. Deep in the pocket. Touchdown. Touchdown, Chicago. You're listening to the number one Chicago Bears podcast. Unrivaled, unmatched, and unequaled. Hogan Johns. Covering the Bears from CHGO, it's Adam Ho. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Together, they're the Adams. The Adams converge. The consummate pros, the incomparable Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns back together again. Johnsy's back from Arizona. Not as tan as I thought you'd be, buddy. What's going on no, there? No, it's there. Got on SP- no, no, we did not. SPF 30 for most of the time. Got burnt bad in the back one day. First day, actually. Or what were you doing? You just didn't I, put I just it on wasn't, the back? I just wasn't lathered up properly. <laughs> got to get the back. Sometimes that spray misses. We're going to ask the missus to get the back. And then she misses. And then she misses. It's unbelievable. Just can't just can't count on anything anymore. Uh, you got to be careful with that spray. Sometimes the wind just blows it away, and then you know doesn't count. Doesn't even go on your back. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Well, welcome back. Hope you had fun. Well done with the picture with the Grand Canyon. You sold a couple sweatshirts. Needed up there. That's a like a thirty de- thirty degree difference. Yeah. As opposed to the the desert in Scottsdale. Significant. So it's still seventy five. Mm. <laughs> Just it was at least 60 up there in Windy, which is yeah. what Chicago weather is currently. No, we're 30 degree difference from that. Yes. It's just, you know, spring. trying to decide. Spring doesn't exist here in Chicago. It's anymore. ridiculous. I don't even want to complain about it anymore, but, you know, do you practice tomorrow in 35 degree weather for baseball? Our baseball game was already moved for tomorrow. Yeah. Even the White Sox moved their game up tomorrow. From the nighttime to the daytime, so you at least get a little bit of solar energy, although I doubt the sun will be up because it's not like that exists here in the spring either. Freezing temperatures tonight. This is not a weather podcast, but this is what we do to open some shows. (laughs) No, but you know what it did, and here's how I'm going to transition to the NFL draft. Reminded me of when the Bears hosted the draft here, and it was so crappy those first two days. I remember standing in line outside the uh, auditorium theater waiting to get in, I don't know why we had to stand in line. I guess there was a lot of security for the media or whatever. But regardless, I just remember being like, this is cold. This is ridiculous. And then by Saturday, it was actually gorgeous. I want to say it was in the 70s and sunny. That's how it is here in the spring. There's no sun, though, this year. (laughs) Does not exist. We don't get that. Uh, Welcome back, though. Glad you are back. We had some fun at House Hall today. The uh, couple things going on. and Typically, the Tuesday... Uh, right before the draft starts, you have the Brian Piccolo Award Ceremony, which was good to have back in person again. It's the first one since 2019 that has been held in person. Winners there being Robert Quinn, the veteran, and Khalil Herbert, the rookie winner of the Brian Piccolo Award this year. And then the GM, Ryan Poles, had a press conference that uh, what was close to 30 minutes. It was you know decent stuff addressed before the draft and uh, we did not a lot of times do you get actually like info out of that because nobody wants to say a word 48 hours before the draft starts but he actually gave us some stuff to chew on in terms of the process and some of the things the bears have done to uh, get ready in what will be ryan poles's first draft as a gm his introduction was six minutes long 
that's significant. <laughs> significantly different than, than Ryan Pace, who would thank everybody for being there and then say he's not going to say much and then try not to say much. But we did learn a little bit uh, more about Ryan Poles' philosophies. Process is a good word. More of his process uh, when it comes to building that board today. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Have some tweets up from the activities today at House Hall. Uh, you can... The sweatshirt that John Z was talking about from the Grand Canyon was a walking bear sweatshirt, and that is available to buy on obviousshirts.com. I, you were actually wearing the orange one. I now have the um, navy blue uh, version on right now, so people can find that there. And please uh, find us on YouTube, rate and review the pod. We appreciate you doing that. Uh, what were... I had a few takeaways today. One... Um, let's start with the newsy thing that has to do with the wide receiver who got arrested the other day. Doesn't sound like there's going to be much discipline there or anything. Doesn't seem concerned. It's maybe there's some type of team fine. I, I don't know. We're learning about Ryan Poles and how he handles such situations, but he he played it off quite calmly and coolly. That was my observation of how Ryan Poles handled at least the questioning from the media about it. Yeah, By, uh, Byron Pringle arrested over the weekend, reckless driving, suspended driver's license. Um, you know, he was doing donuts in a parking lot. and Probably wasn't the smartest thing in the world to do with a kid in the car. Also, in the NFL, sadly, we've seen a lot worse. Um, so, look, these two go back. Ryan Pohl said, I know, I know him uh, very, very well. It's not a reflection of him at all. Although Pringle's had some issues in the past, too that have been documented. So it's just something to watch. I, I, I like you, was more interested in just how Poles was going to respond to the whole thing rather than blowing up, you know, whatever Pringle actually did into a bigger thing than it really is. But I just found that interesting. Um, also, I thought his answer to the question about whether or not this is a rebuild was interesting for a couple of reasons. One, what he actually said, but two, how he handled it too. The first thing was, that's a sensitive thing, is what he said. Why does it have to be so sensitive? I feel like it was the same thing when when uh, Ryan Pace. See, and John my my, Fox my guy. first thought was George McCaskey hates that word. That's what it is, isn't it? It's a He's, sensitive thing in the building because George hates that word. Okay, that's that specific word. George has mentioned that. He's on record saying that from, I think it was the John Fox Ryan Pace era. Doesn't like the word rebuild. Doesn't believe in it. I think he used the phrase building instead of rebuilding back then. So, but as we've talked about so many times, even in recent months, when we were nearing the end of the Ryan Pace era and talking about how it went, that was a rebuild. But it was it was like, day, how many times has this happened with us, Johns, where we're in the walls at House Hall and it's like, we've lived this already. Today was like that again. It was a new GM who's clearly tearing down what was here Trying to fix it back up, that is a rebuild. But he but gave he's, such. He's not allowed it, to say that, is he? But but he gave such a great analogy of how he's trying to do this. It's like buying a house, and he mentioned laying in bed at night, you know, with your wife watching those home improvement shows. You know, of course, yeah, Pat HGTV. Finley had to make small talk afterward about which yeah, one was his favorite. But class. Pat Finley also, I believe, asked a question today where it, something along the lines of, at the risk of asking an obvious question, but how important is it <laughs> to get this draft right? The, the amount of, I love Pat. Pat, I love you. But there were other media members where you could see, like I was in the second row, but the media <laughs> members in front of me, you could tell that they were rolling their eyes. 
where, where's our friend Patrick Finley? Anyway, back to Ryan Poles' point, because I thought it was, it was a great analogy. So it's like buying a house, but it's not like you're fixing up every room. You like some of the rooms, like your quarterback's room. It looks okay. I'm okay with this. But that kitchen, let's call that the offensive line room. You need a new countertop, right? <laughs> need some new cabinetry, yep. you know, some new trim. Maybe you need to, uh, you know, open up a wall to make a brand new island in there. I'm going way down the the home decor analogy here, but that's how he described at least his process. One of the camera guys in the back threw out fixer-upper. Yeah. I think Ryan Pulse, in terms of not using the word rebuild, was on board with using fixer-upper. Hey, fixer-upper is a good show. My seven-year-old loves it. Like, he actually will ask to put it on. And maybe this is the link that brings the Bears and HGTV together for my seven-year-old. What was that uh, Chicago version oh, of? Oh, yeah, Windy City Rehab. Yes. But Ryan Pohl shouldn't go down that path because they had a bunch of legal problems. Oh, that was a mess. That <laughs> yes. was an absolute mess. Don't follow that lead, Ryan Pohl's. That was the, uh, man, I'm trying to think of a, of a comp for that. Like a team that gets, a team that has some success, gets pretty close, and then the whole thing blows up because, well, in that case, like the the idiot she was working with was like doing. It. By the way, if it's there like was the Jaguars, one, it's the if, Jaguars. It's the, it's, it's, it's the, but like the guy was like had legal problems and was like almost going to get arrested. I think he was doing everything wrong off the book. If there was one city to have an HGTV show go haywire, though, because nothing was up to code and nothing was going by the book. It's Chicago. Like, how perfect was that? Yeah, that's true. That's fantastic. That's yeah, but that's the Jaguars, right? If you okay. pick a, the, the team comp. You know, I got to say, Ryan Poles is up on his analogies because that was good, and I loved what he said at his introductory press conference when he was like, you know, you get in the car and you know where you're going, but why would you not hook up your fo- plug in your phone and get the GPS just in case there's an accident on the way? Your yeah. phone's going to tell you. Like that that was his analogy for why you still use the technology that's available to you even though you're you're still going with like kind of your old school way of doing things. You still use the technology available to you because it could correct some path that you're going down wrong. And and so I love that analogy too from a couple months ago. I like that Ryan Pohl said it's okay to run mock drafts. Run as many mock drafts as you want, because that's what the Bears are doing at Hallis Hall. You may roll your eyes at that, but they're running simulations, to use Ryan Pohl's word. Simulations. I'm not, I'm not rolling my eyes out there. Did you see my Bears things column today? That's exactly no, I, what I, I have did. Not, yes, that's, that's how teams all operate that way. I like how they even had, this is part of learning about Ryan Pohl's process, as they're running the simulation. He had some of his staff members call in with fake trade offers to make sure their trade charts were aligned. Yeah. Make sure they discussed things not only in terms of the values, but in that time frame that you have to make that decision. Yep. It's all condensed on draft day. You gotta act like you're actually on the clock. Um that would be the only difference between what I did was because I don't really have a clock, but I ran like I don't even know how many I did, Johnsy. I did something a little different where I ran as many. Does the PFF mock draft simulator where you actually simulate trades and then Draft Network does it too now. And it's very interesting to like go through that process. But I did it many, many, many times to try to like simulate different trades, what you could actually potentially turn the picks into. So if people want to 
check it out. It's at allchgo.com in my Bear Stings column that went up this morning. And just to give you a little teaser, I ended up taking... So the Bears have six picks. I turned that into seven plus two picks next year. But actually made the picks I had this year earlier, if that makes sense. Like, so I moved back in the second round. You did a lot of wheeling and dealing. Oh, my God. You should see it. It's insane. It's insane. But Some, um, some of those mock draft simulators are quite addicting. Yeah. They're fun, I would actually. run them just to, like if there's a player I like, I, I, I would just give up on that one mock draft until I got them. You know, delete that one, do another one. <laughs> well, and if you go too far down the road, you start to get too unrealistic. But what I did was kind of, it sounds similar because I was like checking the trade charts just to make sure what they were offering made sense. Because quite frankly, you could do the same trade on both of those simulators and get completely different results based on what they're offering. It's like, that's not realistic. Um, like one of the times I did it, Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa, Iowa. was available. I'm like, that's not going to happen. And then I, a couple times I got in a situation where I actually ran it by, you know, a source that would know and be like, Hey, do you think this, this checks out? Like, does this trade check out with the, what's being offered? And you know, I got some feedback that way. So anyway, it's all at all Hopefully you check it out. Um, and of course I should also plug bad boy helped me out a lot too the beast i don't know why johnsy i had to have to work at chgo to get this sent to me from the athletic (laughs) but uh, i appreciate that they sent it over yeah good doing a podcast for the athletic no that no but they sent it over to chgo so i got my hands on a copy the beast by dane brugler check it out it's with your athletic subscription at theathletic.com slash hogan johns uh, we do have a special guest for you today that we're very excited about bringing him in. A friend of the podcast, a friend in real life, too. He's also an outstanding high school football coach. Oh, he's representing today, too. Yes. He's got the ICCP gear on. Matt up, Bowen brother? is with us. What's up, Matt? How are you? We're good. We're fired up for the draft. How about you? I am, too. Uh, it's an interesting class, you know, because... I don't think there's as much transcendent talent at the top as there has been in past years, obviously, especially looking at quarterback position. But I think there's a lot of depth when you get to day two, especially on day three of the draft, where you can find quality football players you can develop into starters and either on the offense or defensive side of the ball that can play a lot of a lot of years in this league. So it's more of a draft where if if you're a scout, I think you would love this draft because it allows you to dig a little deeper, find guys that are more scheme specific to what you want to do and to focus on how they can be deployed in the NFL offense or defense. Ryan Poles today said that he felt that, let's see if I got this right, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, defensive backs, and running backs were some of the deeper positions group. And then he went off on a tangent about uh, running backs, some older running backs staying in in college a little bit longer because of the COVID year. So you have them to evaluate. But I'm just curious, just your thoughts on those four positions in terms of their depth. I agree with you, um, especially in the secondary. I mean, look at the safety class. I think it's a really good safety class. And guys that fit today's NFL. Uh, I always use the term multi-dimensional traits in the secondary, especially the safety position. What I mean by that, if you look at the Buffalo Bills, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, how they're deployed in that system. They can play quarters. They can play cover two. They can both spin down and play as a robber defender or overhang defender, have man matchability against tight ends. They're physical. They tackle, and you can scheme them on blitz. So basically, that is that fills the resume basically for a safety. 
Okay. Do are they true center fielders? No. But can they spin to the post late? And you see that with Matt Eberflus's defense. You're going to show too deep. You're going to spin to cover three or spin to cover one. You want safeties that can be interchangeable, spin down or spin back. In this class, I'm telling you, Jaquan Brisker is one of them. Uh, Nick Cross from Maryland. Brian Cook from Cincinnati, who I really like. Good players who are going to be right in that area where the Bears are drafting. I took the under, but I think it came out to about 90 seconds before Matt Bowen mentioned an Iowa safety. <laughs> and Micah Hyde. So... We well, got well, listen, we got we got Dane Belton later in the draft too. Dane Belton, probably day three pick, uh, played that star position. And you know, for the listeners out there, that star is kind of uh, you call it a slot safety, right? Whatever you want to call it, an overhang defender. That's become a much more uh, impactful position, especially at the high school and the college level. But you're seeing it now in the pros too, for teams that are a little bit more zone heavy and that match underneath and carry. You need a playmaker at that spot. And Dane Belton is one of those guys, my, one of my Hawkeyes, you can get on day three, can play some football for you. You know, there was another potential day three safety I was looking at yesterday, Smoke Monday from Auburn, mm-hmm. who I great saw name. play. What a great name. Great name. Yeah. I mean, you should go first overall in the name draft. Um, but I And I got to see him in person when Northwestern played Auburn in the Citrus Bowl a couple of years ago. And he was like a highly touted player going into that game. So I'm a little surprised that he's uh, looking like a day three guy now. But he's also, you talk about that versatility, mm-hmm. like they would line him up in the slot a lot. Like they'd have him come down and and play in the slot in, in some man coverages there. But he also has a, a ton of zone looks. So I just that's, that's just one spot, that safety spot, Matt, that the Bears still need to address. Because right now, mm-hmm. if the season starts tomorrow, DeAndre Houston Carson is playing with Eddie Jackson in the in the backfield and at safety. And I like Houston Carson. I think Houston Carson has traits. You know, we saw him in the previous coaching staff play some dying back for him. Uh, when you have six defensive backs in the field, he, he's got plenty of reps um, <clears throat> playing that safety spot. But what you want, Adam, is competition, right? You have a new coaching staff. And let's just be honest, this roster top to bottom comparable to some of the top rosters in the NFL can be looked at as talent deficient. You don't have a lot of difference makers in the defensive side of the ball right now. You don't have a lot of difference makers on offense. So what I'm trying to do, if I'm Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, is create comp- as much competition as I can. I think you saw that with the way they went about free agency. They got a lot of second and third tier guys that can play. Okay, They don't have difference making talent, but those guys can come in and compete for spots. They have veteran experience. They can help your football team, but this is what the draft's about, too, bringing in young guys that challenge them so you can improve your overall roster. On a couple of occasions, Matt Eberflus has highlighted the importance of the three-technique defensive tackle mm-hmm. for his defense multiple times, multiple interviews. And then you saw the Bears try to make an early splash with Larry mm-hmm. Ogunjobi. Um, and then they made uh, another splash to try to replace him because of what happened with his physical. I- I'm just – if you look at this draft – who are those maybe round two, day two options that could fill that three-technique hole for Matty Bufalus' defense? Who stands out to you? I think the first one we were texting about last night, Logan Hall from, from Houston. And Logan Hall is interesting to me because he's not, you know, when you think of a three-technique, especially in this town, you think of Lovey Smith's defense, guy like Tommy Harris, right, who's got juice off the balls, an up-the-field penetrator, got lateral ability, Um can be disruptive because of that initial first step quickness off the ball. Logan Hall's a little different. 6'6", I think 288. You know, and I'm looking at Matt Eberflus' defense. And who can he be deployed like? Okay, I'm not making a player comp here. 
But in Matt Eberflus's defense, can he be deployed like the Forrest Buckner was in Indianapolis? What I mean by that is someone who can play three technique, which is, you know, the outside edge of the guard, and one technique, which is basically a nose tackle, and also play it in where you can scheme him. And you're seeing more and more in today's NFL, we did in our matchup draft show, is these loaded fronts. And what a loaded front is, basically an overload front. Okay, you're getting three guys to one side that creates the slide and zone protection to that side. And then you get two guys in man protection backside. What you do is you walk a linebacker up to occupy the guard. That backside guy now gets the one-on-one. To the front side, you're stunting, you're slanting, you're looping guys. You are creating pass rush matchups. And that's what this league has really become about. Now, there's certain players, Miles Garrett. Okay, Miles Garrett's going to win a lot of one-on-ones, all right? Miles Garrett doesn't, doesn't play for the Chicago Bears. But can you get a Robert Quinn more one-on-ones? Yes, you can, based on front. And Matt Eberflus did that in Indianapolis. So Logan Hall is one of the players I look at who I think could be in that spot. I think we all agree that's probably where he'll be drafted. Maybe he jumps up the back end of day one. This class is so hard to figure out. But Logan Hall is a guy I look at just based off of what they had in Indianapolis and how they deployed and utilized their personnel that would fit in Chicago and could be an impact player because he does have some explosive plays, especially forward coming off the football. How is Perion Winfrey different? Is he more, does he look more of like the, the Tommy Harris old school type that, that you would have seen and not just because they both played Oklahoma, but uh, mm-hmm. more of that tr- more traditional type three technique that might not be as versatile. Um, that's a great question, Adam. You know, I don't think he's exactly like Tommy was. Tommy was still more quick off the football, but Winfrey's a, a really good name to bring up because the tape tells you stuff, right? And we could talk about the testing and everything, but the tape is your resume as a football player. He's all over the tape, extremely disruptive, right? Extremely disruptive. Tackles for loss, getting to the quarterback. You want someone who can create backfield disruption, especially if you're going to be a defense like this, which is more fundamental-based, technique-based, eye-discipline-based, where you have disruptors up front. And they need someone to make disruptive plays in the interior of that defensive line for this defense to work. The strength of this defense has to be up the middle. Now, you do have a difference maker, we know, at the second level of Roquan Smith. You want Eddie, Eddie Jackson to return to being that difference maker. That's right up the middle of the defense. So the one key piece you're missing is either at the three technique or the one technique who can create consistent disruption. And Winfrey did that on his college state. How about cornerback? Where do you see the second round – I mean, is, is it a strength? Is the second round is, is cornerback deep enough where you're getting a potential starter like a Jalen Johnson mm-hmm. in the second round with the third? I do think it is. Up? I think it is. Now, here's the thing about corner, and I had this discussion with someone the other day. Corners who have the long frame, who have four five, four four speed, who create on the ball production, they rise. We see it every year. They're not projected. They're projected to be early day two picks, and they go on the back end of the first round because there's a need. Yeah. There's a need. I tell my high school kids all the time, you want to play college football, show people you can play going backwards, right? You can play going backwards. Guys with length that can backpedal, breaking the football. They're needed at every level of the game right now, and especially in pro football. So a couple of names, what about Roger McCreary from Auburn? That's a name right there, who can play press man, who is physical at the line of scrimmage, a 4-5 guy. You talk about cover two and Matt Eberflus' defense, where you can come up and reroute and also play man coverage, also play in your single highs. That's one player to look at right there. Kyer Elam from Florida. Okay, I think Elam should be a first-round pick. I don't know if Elam's there. Now, Elam, he can be your boundary corner. He can challenge the backside X in three-by-one sets. Six-foot-two, he's long. He's got good speed. 
I think he's aggressive and he plays with the swagger. If I'm coaching the secondary, especially at corner, I want guys to talk a little bit. I want guys that play with swagger, that have that natural arrogance to them. What it really is is supreme confidence in the football field. Those two players right there could be in that mix. Later, even the Bears have, you know, the third round pick, someone like Alante Taylor out of Tennessee. I know some people are projecting him as a safety, but Alante Taylor, to me, has got sub 4-4 speed. He's got the six-foot-plus frame. He will tackle. He will set an edge in the run game. He's got really good backfield vision. And guys, what I mean by that is if you're playing off in zone, you're playing cover three, or you're sinking as a cover two corner, you can read through the receiver into the backfield. What that allows you to do is now be more of a football player. Now I can go outside the box a little bit. There's a seam ball I can go overlapping. Okay, I can drive top down and make a play. I could jump across or coming back from the opposite side of the formation. And Taylor has shown that on his Tennessee tape. Matt, I want to ask you about something Ryan Pohl said today, which really just had to do with scouting styles. And I think the question was specifically kind of about how you match technology with just old school scouting. And one of the things I liked that he said was he said that sometimes you just got to understand you're just taking a good football player. Sometimes it's just that basic. Are we taking a good football player? And I loved hearing that because there's so many times every year I go through this where there's just a guy who I feel like is not getting enough respect. Usually it's a guy I've seen in person with my own eyes where I'm just like, I know this guy can be a good football player. I don't care what 40 time he ran. I don't, I just know it. Um, Go ahead and name him. I know which player you're going to mention. (laughs) For this year? (laughs) Yes. Well, this year it's David David Bell. Bell. There it is. Yeah. Every podcast, David Bell love comes out for Adam Hogan. But you know what? I don't know. Maybe something about Purdue because last year was Rondell Moore. Like, I don't care how, how, short or whatever like he's going to if he especially if he gets in the right offense they're going to use him properly and sure enough I think he scored a touchdown in week one for the Cardinals um just but how often do you whatever player it is does that come up as you're prepping for the draft where you're just like I don't I don't care I just know this guy can play football yeah I agree with you and you bring up a great point because once you get into training camp no one cares what you ran in the 40 right it doesn't matter anymore you're not going to run the 40 the rest of your life unless you get hurt and have to work out for another team Okay, you're never going to run the 40 again. Once you have it on paper, it is what it is. And no one cares anymore. David Bell is a great example. Can you get open or not? Can you catch the football? That, that At its core, that's the playing wide receiver is, right? The ability to shake coverage, get open, catch the football, be productive after the catch. You know, David Bell will work the dirty areas of the field, as I call them, inside the numbers, especially inside the hashes in critical down and distance situations. Soft hands, natural hands catcher is smooth and fluid. Not extremely sudden or explosive. Again, those are traits we talk about now. But when you get into the huddle and you get into training camp, you're trying to win a spot and you're trying to produce on Sundays, the ability to get open, David Bell is one of those guys. Two for me are from Cincinnati. And I mentioned Brian Cook, the safety. Yep. The other one I mentioned in the secondary is Kobe Bryant, the corner. And no one's talking about Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant is a football player. He, I call him a pre-snap sheriff, okay, because he sees everything before it happens, right? There's a reason. I've always said this. Guys who make plays in the football, I don't care if you have seven interceptions and all of them are tip passes or overthrows. I don't care. You're around the football for a reason. Okay, it's either tape study, that's understanding formation, alignment, personnel in the field, down and distance games, that all comes into play. But you are around the football for a reason. Kobe Bryant is one of those guys. David Bell is one of those guys. Both players don't have extremely high-end testing numbers. Okay, and guys that don't have the high-end measurables will slide a little bit. That's how the draft works. We understand that. But do they have professional traits to play this game? Yes, they do. 
Another one I'll mention just because I'm a Glenbar Wesson. I had knew this Pierce. one was coming. Let's through. do it. <laughs> Alec Pierce, wide receiver yeah. from Cincinnati. And obviously I'm extremely biased because we're both Glenbar West alums. I know the family very well. Uh, you know, Alec Pierce is another guy who makes plays. Now, Alec does have the testing numbers too. Low 4'4", four, four, jumped over 40 inches. You know, when you talk about NFL deployment, I always look at traits and then deployment. I put out a tweet today that, you know, the big thing in the NFL right now, and I don't think the Bears have this in the roster, is that boundary X receiver. Okay. Yes. So when you're playing trips, three receivers to one side to the field side, where the, you know, more grass is based on the hashes and then the short side of the field into the boundary, you need that X receiver. Someone can run the fade ball, someone who can run the slant, someone can run the isolation curl and comeback. And then when you get into the strike zone, which I call a 20 to 35 yard line, obviously the red zone, they become your one-on-one matchup player. And Pierce did that consistently at Cincinnati. You can see his non-power five. Throw the Notre Dame tape on. Yeah. Because he lit up Notre Dame. He lit them up against press coverage. He's got good initial foot quickness at the line of scrimmage, straight line juice down the field. And he can make contested catches. You know, everyone talks about Drake London. That's fine. I understand that. But if you're the Bears, you're probably not going to draft Drake London. So if you're looking for a wide receiver on day two of the draft, Pierce could be one of those guys. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because, Matt, it, it, as everyone wants to talk about wide receiver with the Bears, and they definitely need them. You know, Alec, Pier- Alec Pierce's name and David Bell's name kind of consistently come up maybe with either that late second-round pick or the um, or early third-round pick. Right. And as much as I do like Bell, w- the point you just made is a good one because the the fit with the Bears, they really need more of a guy like Pierce, quite frankly, then they might need a bell. I wonder if Bell's a little redundant potentially with Darnell Mooney. It could be. I think you do bring up a good point. And that's why I always go back to, I brought it up earlier with the safeties. When we watch these prospects, we have to think about how they fit. It's one thing to identify the traits. And the traits are the probably the most important thing when you're projecting talent in the NFL. But this on top of that is how are you going to play them? How are you going to play them? I mean, there's. I'll be honest, there's players – that I struggle with. Sky Moore from Western Michigan. Where does he play in an NFL offense? Okay. Is he a true slot? He's more of a one-speed route runner. Extremely tough and physical. I love the way he plays. But is he a boundary receiver? Probably not with his size. Okay. Jalen Petrie, the safety out of Baylor. I love watching Petrie play. He's all over the tape. But again, where do you deploy him in a pro defense? Can he play like a Tyron Matthew role? Okay. Well, you have to have that in your defense. Okay, you have to have that. You can't just say, well, he's a safety room, put him in the slot, and you're supposed to cover Cole Beasley on third down. It's not easy, right? So that always – I think that matters a ton when we're looking at these prospects, and you do bring up a good point about Pierce because the Bears don't have a player like him, and that's how the game is played right now. you got to have that isolation throw. If you think about Justin Fields on third and seven to ten, and he wants to throw the curl to come back, you have to have a guy who's got the big body, the big frame, you don't have to create a ton of separation. But you have to be able to post up someone to get the first down and move the sticks. And Pierce can be that guy for you. When you look at where Luke Getze is coming from, um, mm-hmm. I know I know it's kind of limited. Hasn't called plays at the NFL level, but he's got that Green Bay experience. And maybe what they want to do with Justin Fields and what he does well, you started getting on that a little bit. Like, what do you do? What do they need? Like, which players stand out to you in terms of fits, potential fits for what Lou Getze potentially wants to do, even though there's a bunch of unknowns right now, um, at least from the outside? Right. Well, at. I think the first thing is the pass protection. Right? We, we can talk about wide receivers that fit because there are some, um, but you have to be able to protect. 
right? You have to be able to protect and give him time to be able to go through full field progressions, which he showed he could do last year. And there are ways to move him out of the pocket and run, sprint, and boot. But ultimately, this game, when it comes down to it, you go back to the Super Bowl with Stafford and Burrow, it's the ability to throw from the pocket. And it's the ability to throw from the pocket and win moments, right? That's what games are about, about winning moments. In the NFL, that, to me, that means third down and in the red zone. You have to win those situations to win football games. You don't If you don't get third downs, you don't extend drives. If you kick field goals, you're not going to beat anybody. So those moments are where the Bears have to be strong up front and give Justin Fields time to throw from the pocket. Because like you said with Getze, I don't know either. I mean, we don't really know what he's going to be. But let's say, it's because we're talking right now, that it's Matt LaFleur's offense. Let's say it is. There are going to be a lot of defined throws. Aaron Rodgers, a lot of defined throws off of play action where they throw the quick game breakers and they take their shots over the top. When they run boot flood, when they move Rodgers in the pocket, all that's going to be a part of it, right? You have to have a core offense to build and install during many camp OTAs and training camp. But then you want the special moments outside of that with Justin Fields. Why you drafted him last year, I know it was a different coaching staff, et cetera, but he was a top 15 pick for a reason because he has special traits. He has a playmaking element that he brings to the position. That's where you want him to take the next step. His ability to identify and throw the one-on-ones whenever he wants and the ability to make second reaction plays when necessary. But it still comes back to making those defined throws in the pocket, throwing with timing and rhythm, seeing the field. The offense is set up for that. Now you got to block for them. And it's, and it's got to be better. Were, the Bears were simply not good enough. And I know they have young players at the tackle position. If Jenkins and Brown are going to be the starters, I understand that. But do they upgrade there? I don't know. We'll see. Do they go with someone in the interior of the offensive line? I don't know. But I think Bears fans have to understand that if you're building a roster, okay, I don't care if it's IC Catholic, Niles Notre Dame, or Carmel Mundelein, I don't care. You have to build with your big guys up front. That's where it starts. So if the Bears come out in the second round, I'm, I'm, we're just spitballing here, but if they go get Logan Hall and they go get an offensive lineman, the, the, you have to look at that as a positive. Yeah, You have to because you're protecting your top investment on offense in Justin Fields and you're creating someone on defense that can hit the quarterback. At the end of the day, and we'll see this at the top of the draft, too. And obviously quarterback is, you know, the elite position in this league. But guys that can block for the quarterback, guys that can hit the quarterback, that changes games. Matt, is there anything you specifically like about Matt Eberflus's defensive scheme or dislike? And how big of a transition do you think it is for players that played in a much different scheme, not only last year, but really, I mean, for, for a considerable amount of years in a row here, it's been that same 3-4 defense, Vic Fangio right. style that they're that they're uh, transitioning from. Well, I think that pro players adapt much quicker than we give them credit for. Um, you know, new scheme, new terminology. There's going to be a couple of weeks, right, when you're, you're going to be thinking of your old terminology. You're going to be on the field making calls that don't even exist anymore, right? This is, this is natural because you're used to playing in a certain defensive scheme. But I went through it as a player. When Coach Spurrier left Washington and Coach Gibbs came in with Greg Williams, you know, Greg Williams' defense was totally different from George Edwards' defense, totally different. Much more blitz-heavy, much more terminology, someone motion, everything would change. So that, that took some time, but, you know, by the beginning of minicamp, you know, your official minicamp in June, that stuff is all ironed out. You understand what you're, what you're doing. And in terms of Matt Eberflus's defense, I think there's a misconception about him, Adam. I think everyone looks at it and thinks, oh, we're going to play cover two every snap. No, they're going to play some cover two, there's no question. But they will be man-heavy on third downs. They were last year. They will be pressure-heavy on third downs. They were last year. That slot corner is vital. That slot corner is vital. 
They have to have a playmaker, difference maker there. At the safety position, you have to have guys with extreme forward ability. What I mean by that is someone who can drive top down, be urgent, explosive, drive through receiving targets and fill the alley in the run game. Guys that are disciplined can play off the numbers in cover two. Your corners have to be multiple. Again, it's not just cover two. You got to have man traits. You got to have zone traits and you better tackle. I think it's the first thing you'll see with that defense in terms of the players they target. If they target a corner in this draft, it'll be someone who can tackle. If you have a corner out there, it's not going to tackle this defense. I don't think it's going to work, but they are multiple. I think that right now bears fans in general are giving Matt Eberflus credit for it because it's not just line up in zone and sit back and let people pick you apart. They will be aggressive when they have to. Matt, one last draft question for you. Are, are there players in the, that second round range that you think aren't getting enough chatter about, like aren't being brought up enough? Players that you really, really like that could be potential fits for the Bears that people aren't discussing enough right now? I think the first one is safety Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State. Uh, Brisker, to me, if I had him, and Adam will get me on this, uh, another Iowa comp, but I've already mentioned his name. Brisker, to me, is Micah Hyde. That's what he is. The, like we're talking about at the top of the show, they can be a perfect fit for Matty Rufus' defense. Highly instinctual player, too. That's a key part of playing the safety position. You have all the traits in the world. But if you don't see it fast, you don't anticipate it fast enough, you're not going to make plays in this league. Brisker is one of those guys for me. If you're looking at the linebacker, okay, I'm not saying the Bears are going to draft a linebacker, but if you're looking at linebacker, Quay Walker out of Georgia. You know, Nicobe Dean is getting all the hype and rightfully so because Georgia won a national championship and made a bunch of plays. But Quay Walker out of Georgia, I think it's a coverage traits, second level range um, to make a lot of plays in this league. Christian Harris is another one, snack backer from Alabama. The ability to key and diagnose, they call it. This is the ability to read, run fast, be physical, be old school, be a downhill attacker. Um, at the wide receiver position, and Tolbert out of South Alabama. That's a name for Bears fans to look at. I think he's an extremely fluid route runner, extremely fluid. You can look at his tape against Tennessee, against higher level competition. He made a lot of plays, but that's someone that does identify in terms of a possible target for the Bears if they look at wide receiver in that spot in the draft. Still developing too, still kind of learning Mm -hmm. learning how to play football. Um, All right, coach, how's that offseason program going? We getting the the weight room going, those early morning workouts? How how are we doing? Our guys are in there. Our guys are working. Uh, We have morning lifting. Um, You know, we're a smaller school, so majority of our players are multiple sport athletes. So our guys are playing lacrosse, they're playing baseball, they're running track, but they're also doing their offseason lifting. And it will start pretty soon, as, as you know, Adam. We, uh, we, we, we start our summer camp a little later. Uh, last week in June, we go to the end of July. Uh, there's a break for the 4th of July, but we'll be on the field before you know it. Um, I'm excited to get back on the field. Are, summer are, camp's one of my favorite things because obviously there's, there's not the stress of a weekly game plan, right? And there's not the stress of, you know, for, for us to navigate coaching with your family at home, with your work, with NFL Sundays, all that. It's just the ability to teach. The ability to teach, the ability to work with your players, the ability to laugh, the ability to compete. We'll do some seven-on-sevens. Uh, we're not a big seven-on-seven team in the summer, but we'll, the one thing we do do that I love is we go down to Illinois Wesleyan every year for a team camp, and we stay down in the dorms at IWU, and it's great competition. And obviously, COVID has changed some things, but before COVID, you know, you had Nazareth down there, Evanston down there, Galesburg, um, some really good you know, talented teams that would, would test you. And we'll, we'll practice during the day, 
compete at night with seven on seven, three on three lineman challenge. And that's one of my favorite parts of the year uh, because you get away, you get to uh, work together as a team, build team chemistry, compete in the football field, eat dorm food again. Um, <laughs> and I always bring my kids all, all the bed sheets down there. So I have like Toy Story bed sheets and stuff. That's awesome. Um, for the dorms. But I'm really excited to get back in the field. How, I miss long, it. I miss it. how long are we away from uh, you game playing against Adam Hogue here? In a couple Cause, years. Cause, yeah, two years. Is it two years before I see joins the, the Catholic League or one year? Two no, years. it's one more year. So we're, we're still in the Metro Suburban uh, next year. And then we go Look to at Oak's Chicago, face. <laughs> Chicago right. Catholic League in, in 2023, um, which is, you know, <clears throat> Wheaton St. Francis is coming with us, one of our, our rivals. Um, I wish Bishop McNamara to Kankakee was coming. That, that's been our rival since I started coaching mm-hmm. eight years ago now, Bishop McNamara. And it, I, I wish they were going to come with us, but they're not. So us at Wheaton St. Francis are coming. Wheaton St. Francis has got an excellent program right now. And we're, we're excited to join. Them. We're excited for the step up in the challenge. Um, and as Adam knows, you know, playing in the Catholic League, I tell people, and I haven't experienced it yet, but to me, it's like playing in the NFL, okay, where every week is a heavily challenged game, where you have to win moments, where you're going to come down to one-score games in the fourth quarter, and a couple of players are going to decide it. And I think our kids are really excited about the challenge uh, and the competition level and the environments, you know, playing in big time environments on Friday nights. There's nothing better than that. Nothing better. We played, uh, we're playing again uh, this year. So last year we opened up at Montini and obviously we're real close, you know, 10 minutes from, from school to school. That was a state playoff environment, a state playoff environment. And then this year we play Montini and then we play, uh, Joliet Catholic in week two at their place, the big stadium down in Joliet. So that will be a big game environment. And I think our kids really thrive off that, and I would too. Yeah, Joliet, Joliet Catholic. I don't know if they still uh, if they're still allowed to do this, but when I played there, the the Joliet Catholic fans would park their their trucks in, in the end zones. Um, Bishop Mack did this too, I think. Did they do this? Do they do this still? Where they're behind the end zones, sitting in the back of their trucks, and you could hear them quite clearly whether it's you know you're backed up in your own red zone you sure. can hear the the chatter from the fans you know barking hey number four you mm-hmm. know watch your back all that stuff all fun stuff in the catholic league <laughs> i'll tell you we see it and you know obviously we're a smaller school so we play the 3a state playoffs whether you drive whether you're driving out to byron uh this past year we played uh out in pecatonica dupec pecatonica west of rockford and they they came they're the pirates so they came out on a I had a pirate ship on the field with small <laughs> fireworks and everything. And that's awesome. In these small town environments. Yeah. Uh, the stadiums are so unique. In Pecatonica, there was a red barn right behind our sideline. I mean, like a real barn, like something you'd see out in Iowa, right? So um, awesome environments when you play at the lower levels and you go on the road in the state playoffs uh, because it's small town and everyone's going to be there. And those games matter. And those games matter to the town, they matter to the student body that matter to the athletes on the field. And obviously that raises the level of intensity and competition. Well, it's awesome. I, it's going to be, uh, I, I can't wait for it either. And um, that, you know, what, that's what the Catholic league needs more teams, right? I mean, like I can't even, I can't even keep track of it. I don't know what's going on. There, all the divisions There's 17 different colors. Just but, let me uh, know when you guys want to play up with the, the green teams. Okay, guys. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 
And I we, don't know uh, what division we're going to be in. I don't know. I don't even know how that's factored in. I'm, I don't I'm, know what division we're in now, quite frankly. I just yeah. look at this. I, I, I go like full classic football coach. You just look at the schedule. I'm like, okay, right. this is the team we play this week. This, and then it's all that matters. And then you work on that. So, uh, no, it's going to be awesome uh, seeing that move. And uh, Johnsy's Don's know all about the schedule because you oh. guys had a ridiculous schedule last year. You were like 0-4 and, and had played like five of the top – 15 yeah, teams two in state. of those team won state titles. My high school ended up winning the call it the city title of the um the prep bowl. Yeah. They they won that. Yeah, they ran the table at the end after having a losing regular season. Um but that's what you play Mount the Mount Carmels of the world, the Julia yeah. Catholics of the world. These are schools Nazareth, yeah. to stick with like the draft. I mean, these there's alumni of these schools currently playing in the NFL. So, oh, and there's D1 players you line up against that you're, well, yeah. you know, yes. going to what, what Matt was just talking about. I mean, you're, you're seeing guys that are going to Ohio State next year and got, yeah. and, uh, the running back at Joliet Catholic that's going to Illinois this year. Like that, th- these are real players that, uh, you get the experience against. So it's really cool. And yeah, you play in the top of the Catholic, those top two divisions, you're best to playing in the NFC West. <laughs> you know, there's no breaks, right? There is no breaks. It, no, it is top level competition all the time. But we're excited because I, I and I have no problem saying it, it's the best football conference in the state. I think it's the best football conference in the Midwest. When you look That's top awesome. to bottom, the, top, the, the the amount of teams in there, the athletes in there, the coaches in there, it, it is the best conference. And, you know, for Illinois, it is playing in the SEC. Matt, we appreciate it. Uh, awesome insight on the draft. Good luck with everything this week. Uh, we, we always love having you on the show, so thanks so much for joining us today. All right, guys. Be good. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Matt. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual men's wear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, watching the game later with your friends, maybe get a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan John's polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Well, Johnsy, you got your little high school football talk in there. <laughs> that was good. You started it, I believe. I know I did. I couldn't. He had the IC prep shirt on. We had to... You know, he for those watching on YouTube, it looked like we were talking to a high school football coach. Yeah, so so Matt Bowen played at Iowa, played in the NFL, uh, does great work now on ESPN. He's been a longtime coach in for Immaculate Conception in Elmhurst, which is a suburb of Chicago, and they've won, I want to say two, two or three state titles, at least two. Yeah, 
They're good every year. They're good every year. Well coached, yeah. obviously. He, he handles their secondary, and now they're they're looking for an upgrade in competition, which means joining the Catholic League, which means talking to us almost every week because we do our Catholic League football segments. Let's do it. Let's see. If we had like a mini side cast of just high school football talk every week, it would kill. I don't know how we would find the time to actually do that with everything else going on. Um, barely have the time to game plan and coach high school football in the <laughs> fall. But, you know, maybe at some point that's something we got to do as like a special or something. Maybe like a preview for the season. Be kind of cool. I'm game. Get Michael O'Brien yeah. on here. Yes. Sometimes legend. Yeah, but then you two would gang up on me about the the booing of Matt Nagy's kid and stuff. And I don't need that again. <laughs> he felt the same way. But Michael O'Brien covered it. I think the only one who was more offended by that than you was him. He he was like just railing on me on Twitter. <laughs> he, he was. He definitely was. He's covered yeah. some. Well, he's covered high school sports for like twenty five years, and the stories. Oh, he's been around way more. Oh, than he's I got stories. Story time. Be. Like if you're into high school sports, like a lot of us are. In the Chicago land, the stories that Michael O'Brien could share over a few beers would blow your mind. Not even like stuff on the court, just like the politics off it. So yep. much. There's a lot. There's that a sounds lot. like a podcast coming up for us. <laughs> I think we might have to do it. Off season, the real off season, the dead days of summer are coming. Hey, uh, well, first we got to get through the draft. It's an exciting weekend. I know you and I really, really, really love the draft, and uh, it should be fun. We will have it covered. Um, for you. So plan right now, because the Bears don't have a pick Thursday, is we'll probably have an episode Friday morning, kind of recapping what happened Thursday with the other teams, previewing what's still left on the board for the Bears, um, and then we'll come back again Saturday. So you're going to get multiple episodes the rest of this week, kind of like a game week during the season. You're going to get two more episodes, so three, at least three total, and then, of course, next week we'll have it all covered once the whole picture comes together. So plenty of draft coverage coming up here on Hogan Johns this week. Make sure you're following us along on the written side as well. John Z on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. If you haven't already downloaded The Beast, what are you doing? You're going to want that as your draft companion throughout the weekend and um, plenty of coverage. Uh, Shield Kapadia had like this hilarious um, like live blog thing almost of like what the first round could be like. It was great. So that's on The Athletic right now. And Bo Wolf just did his favorite names of the draft. Speaking of guys Where was like Smoke, Smoke Monday? Monday. Uh, was he in there? I don't know. I didn't see that one. Yeah, yet. I, I haven't, haven't gone through it completely yet, but I know people, colleagues of mine, people, colleagues of mine are sharing their favorite ones on Twitter. That's good. All right. Um... Cool. And then allchshow.com is where I'm at. Check out that mock draft. I'm calling it the ideal mock draft. If everything falls perfectly within reason, like what could actually happen, that's what it would look like. So check that out at allchshow.com. And we will also have you covered there on the CHGO Bears podcast all week with live shows during the draft. So check that all out too. There's plenty of coverage here if you can't pick up on it already. Thanks to Matt Bowen. Great show. John Z, welcome back. Talk to you in a few days. The NFL draft is here. Here we go. See ya. Hey, what's up, Floose?